and boom goes the dynamite. On the 4th of July, 1806, we set sail from the sweet cove of Cork. We were sailing away with a cargo of bricks for the Grand City Hall in New York. Was a wonderful craft, she was rigged for the lap. You know how the wild winds blow her. She's got several blasts, she had 27 masts, and they call her the Irish Rover. We had one million bikes, out the best lawyer rights. We had two million barrels of snow. We had three million sides of our blind horses' hides. We had four million barrels of bones. We have five million hogs, six million doves, seven million barrels of parts, sir. We had eight million piles of old nanny ghost tiles in the heart of the Irish Rover. Good evening, and welcome to episode 71 of Boom Goes the Dynamite, the AEW Dynamite Review Show here on the PWOM Podcast Network. I'm Jeffrey. With me tonight is Paul Sebastian. Paul? Sorry, Paul's not here. He has shipped up to Boston. <laughs> you know, if I never hear that song again, <laughs> it will be too goddamn soon. Oh, you will. You will. I, I, I'm sure I will because it'll be in like some commercial or some movie promo or something. That, you know, anything vaguely Irish, they play Ship Up to Boston. Yeah, the most Irish song ever written. Uh, the quintessential uh, you know, like what you know, from all the Irish folks that I've talked to, always tell me it's the most authentic Irish experience, really, that you can have. Is that right? I, I don't know. I, I I played the song I played at the at the top. Oh, I'm of the sorry, show. you don't know any Irish people. Oh, oh no, you know me. I know no Irish people at all. <laughs> None whatsoever. None, zero, zip. <laughs> Goddamn, it's, it's, it, it, especially not ones that are you know fellow hosts on this network. Yeah, on this very PWOM podcast network. Yes. So, so Paul, uh, you made a promise to the people, and um, you you, you kind of broke it. What, what what happened, man? A promise I was happy to break, Jeff. So uh, we were working on a uh, another little side series, a companion to this podcast that uh, was going to cover AEW Dark and AEW Dark Elevation, uh, two of AEW's other shows they run on their YouTube channel. We talk about AEW Dark Weekly. Elevation launched this past week, and I thought it'd be a good time to, like, you know, dive into that and, you know, uh, take some time there on its own thing so we wouldn't have to spend so much time on it on this podcast. We could get down to Dynamite, have a little short recap companion for those shows. It would be a fun time. What I found, Jeff, um, is that I don't feel like recapping 30 entire wrestling matches a week. <laughs> yeah, you know... <laughs> no, uh... Just, I'll, I'll, I'll pass. I'll pass on that. Um, <laughs> I, they were they were fun shows, and I think they really do have their place. But I think, uh, uh, content-wise, it just doesn't sound like fun to me to make a, a recap podcast that could have up to 30 wrestling matches in a week. I don't really feel like doing it. I'll be honest. It just doesn't sound fun to me. So we're, we're, we scrapped that idea. Um, we're still going to you know cover elevation and AEW dark when it warrants i still do watch those shows uh, we'll probably do some stuff on twitch related to them and you know some sporadic content here and there but as far as a weekly companion uh, uh as i started making it i realized it wasn't really something that was fun for me yeah and I do uh, so you know I, if i wasn't having a good time i wasn't gonna you know do it yeah i mean i i saw 
15 matches on Elevation and 15 on Dark, I was like, give me a fucking break. I, I cannot watch 30 <laughs> goddamn wrestling matches. When you realize it, when you really break it down to the numbers and you realize how many wrestling matches you're watching like in a few hours, it really does feel excessive. It's really no different than if you watch NXT, Raw, and SmackDown, for example. You're probably watching close to that. It depends on what the, on the nature of the show, but... Yeah, but I mean, I mean to watch them all at the same time, though. Yeah, you know, like and, one after and the also, other. Also, you know, uh, like in a TV episode, could have three or four matches in a night. You know, uh, like for a main TV, these these shows always have ten or fifteen. I don't know about Elevation; they're only one show in. But if this trend continues, one thing I'll say about Elevation: uh, it looks like there'll be a little more focused on storytelling than AEW Dark. They did have some like you know threads through the show, but that may have just been because it's you know the premiere episode and they wanted to do something special. So the jury's out there. We'll see. I really enjoyed Paul White's commentary on Elevation. That's one thing that stood out to me. Uh, he's got some some work to do, kind of finding his voice, but I think he really brings like a balanced like. Uh, uh, athlete's presence to it. He kind of sounds like a retired ball player, you know, like calling a day game. <laughs> yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. And I really like that. It's a comforting kind of voice, but he knows his stuff too. Uh, and I thought he was a nice companion for Shivani there. So that I enjoyed. There were some good matches on it. And I'll keep watching and see how that develops. Yeah, I only watched, I, I saw like the, the angle with Kenny Omega and, and Tony Khan be, becoming an on screen guy and, uh, yeah, so and, and Matt Seidel. Yeah, Khan's first uh, on-screen, you know, GM work, really. Uh, cut a little promo. He kind of restarted, or didn't do a restart, but did a, you know, this is BS. So for those that didn't watch, the through line of AEW Dark Elevation uh, focused around Matt Seidel, the aforementioned Matt Seidel. Um, they did a tag match, and then uh, Kenny said that uh, Seidel can earn a title shot if he beats Michael Nakazawa uh, on the show, so it would be his second match of the night. Were he to beat Michael Nakazawa, he would get a match with Kenny Omega. If then he were to beat Kenny Omega, he would get a title shot. Uh, you following me there? You, you with me? Yep, so we, far. This, we drawing all the lines. Do we got we, we put in the little threads neck like on the map with the little push pins in them and everything? Oh yeah. All right, great yeah, stuff. We, we, we got the crazy person boy. Perfect, perfect, perfect. We're like Charlie in the uh, the the mailroom episode of Always Sunny. Right. Smoke, smoking cigarettes, beautiful mind style. Yes. So continue. Uh, yes. Yeah, so that that's that. Um, Seidel does the Nakazawa match. It's a fuck finish. Um, and Seidel wins, but then Kenny starts his match with Seidel right away. Take does the one winged angel. That's over. Tony Khan says, no, you can't do that. Actually, you're going to have to wrestle Seidel in like a real match. That's going to be on dynamite in a couple of weeks. Yeah, and, yeah. So, and scene. <laughs> um, I only watched one actual match on Dark Elevation, and that was, of course, Riho versus Maki Ito. Because you know, what else am I going to see on? It's show? Maki Ito, and also come to find out, it looks like that's going to be uh, possibly the end of Maki Ito's run for now. I uh, believe she's back in Japan. She is back in Japan. Uh, she did like a, uh, a, a a YouTube press conference on uh, Tokyo Joshi's official YouTube. And okay. it, it, what it came down to was it was basically everybody thought they're like, oh, my God, this is it. Tony Khan, you know, did the thing and, and signed Maki Ito. No, she was just announcing she was going to go after the, uh, the, the Tokyo Joshi Pro title. 
Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah. good to her for staying featured, staying relevant, and uh, continuing to do what she does. I'm sure she'll be back. She was very well received. Um, you know, there's no way AEW didn't notice uh, how insanely over she is. Uh, yeah, there was no way to notice that. Uh, you know, they couldn't have noticed that. I mean, the Dark Order, the the the, the stick with the Dark Order was fantastic. The Dark Order, I mean, they've really, you know, done a great job in the last couple of months, even without getting a a feature on TV. It's just heartwarming to see their chemistry continue and, like, the way that they've become who they are now, which is just, like, uh, a group of friends, you know, held together by a tragedy who are making the best of it. And there's something just really easy to connect with about all this uh and we're going to get into some more dark order when we talk about dynamite but uh yeah great stuff yeah and so yeah i, I really hope that we do get more maki ito um, i'm sure we will Jeff. yeah uh shout out to that dweeb on twitter that does not narrow it down at all <laughs> the, the the one that, twitter that, is full of dweebs what are the, you talking about the, the, the one that that saw fit to keep going just because i called him a dork oh yeah yeah he well he is a dork you were correct yeah jeff got it had a little thing with some some guy on twitter and then uh i think i said something dumb to him i don't know he didn't yeah. respond i, think I told him to shut the fuck I, one of my favorite things and i think if you probably searched my tweets the phrase i think you'd probably see the most in my twitter feed would be shut the fuck up i'm <laughs> almost certain i've i've used that on twitter more than anything else it's what i primarily use twitter for is to tell people who annoy me to shut the fuck up. Um, and I'll continue to do that. Um, I, that's my promise to you, the listener. If you follow me on Twitter at TV, I promise you I will tell people to shut the fuck up in perpetuity. If you have someone on Twitter you think I should tell to shut the fuck up, uh, send that over to me at TV. Uh, let me know who I should tell to shut the fuck up on Twitter. <laughs> and with that, we go pre-taped. Daily's Place in Jacksonville, Florida. St. Patrick's Day Slam edition of AEW Wait, wait, Jeff, Dynamite. Jeff. It's St. Patrick's Day one, so I think it's uh, only appropriate for me to do you know the thing that every American podcaster has to do, uh, and that's my Irish accent. So uh, I no, present to you. No, you may not. Okay, here we go. Don't don't do it. Top of the morning to you. <laughs> Was that good? Was that good? Moving on. <laughs> We, we, we start off with uh, MJF's new unit uh, departing from a uh, a personal jet, which uh, where did they come from? Because they're all in Florida anyway. They were limousine riding. They were jet flying. Um, <laughs> they were wheeling. They were dealing, but there were no kisses to steal. Apparently not. So, uh, yeah, I guess there are that, no that... kisses to steal until Eddie and Mox kiss. And that may, we'll that may be that may be coming soon. I'll but... steal that. Talk about talk about NFTs, man. I would make an NFT of that. Oh, That's the exception I'll make. Okay. Please, please no. I'm not really into it, but there's one exception, and it's that. Just so I can own it forever. Uh from that we go right into our first match of the evening, in which uh executive vice president uh Cody Runnels takes on Penta El Cero Miedo. And Hot Start. Hot start. Uh Penta stealing St. Patrick's Day hats is a new thing. Very good stuff. I wish uh, we should just find different hats for people to wear every week, like regardless of holidays. So like we can have a Mardi Gras episode. They could have like the cool, you know, the goofy like Mardi Gras hats. Um, We could have 
a, a I don't know. Give me what's another hat? Another holiday where people wear hats? Um, let's say uh, Fourth of July. Guy Fox Day, and then he can steal the Guy Fox mask. <laughs> uh, Fourth of I was gonna say Fourth of July, but Fourth of July they can have the cool little you know Fourth of July hats. New Year's, of course, that's an easy one. Yeah. Um, um, Halloween. Obviously Cinco de Mayo, and it wouldn't even be racist if he were to take a sombrero. So that's perfect. Mm, no, it might be actually. <laughs> Wait, Pentagon can't wear a sombrero. Yeah, I mean, like, is you know, most of these holidays that we keep listing are like not really ethnic holidays. <laughs> They're like exactly. American eth- ethnic holidays. They're, yeah, the most important holidays, like uh, like fa- like a uh, Flag Day, very important holiday. Uh, he can wear like a flag hat. How about Arbor Day? Ar- Arbor Day can have a little a little tree hat. There you go. A little hat with like a little bonsai tree on it. Oh, I love that. God, I love that. I love that for him. Absolutely. Of course, a bonsai tree. Bonsai trees have good energy. So does Pentagon. He does have good energy. Very good energy. You know what? You know what had had bad energy? The finish of this match. Oh, oh, what a segue! Because you're right. Yeah, the the finish of this match I thought was trash. Oof. Yeah, I did. In, in not even like in a oh well, Cody's just putting himself over, self indulgent, like the easy way out way. But, but, but like, which which is the case, but which it kind of is. But like even like extrapolating it wider than that, like it just wasn't really good storytelling in any part of it, right? Like it just the roll up didn't feel earned. You know, after a devastating move and getting an arm snapped, his arm was like still okay enough to like roll the man up in a match that like Penta clearly was winning and should have won. And because obviously with the beatdown after, like you're getting to the result of getting Cody off TV for a minute, right? Like, that's the whole point of this. Why does he need the win? Penta's the one coming back next week. Yeah. I mean, no, it, it, well, because it's Cody Rhodes, self-indulgent bullshit because, you I, know, I four, guess four got, because four guys formed a company to put themselves over and Hey, look at that. They're, Putting themselves I over. don't, you know, I struggle with that because it's such an easy way to be like, oh, well, of course they are. They they started the company. Like, of course, they're going to be at the top of it. They own the fucking thing. Like, yeah. And also, like, Cody is like a big time star and like a good wrestler who like is like a main event level guy. It just he is. Um, and the match wasn't bad. Like, and one thing I'll say, like getting off Cody, we should probably be talking about Pentagon anyway. Uh, Pentagon does everything right. And like we talk about, you know, his charismatic offense and like the way he like is really good with milking moments and with getting the most out of things. This match, he showed off how great he can sell as well, because uh, his selling was just spectacular. Yeah, like off the was. charts. I mean, like well, that's fantastic. Like pet- little things, like the little almost tap during the figure four and like uh, the way he'd like hang after like a little bit after taking moves. I just really it stood out to me uh, and he had a great match. And it, well, yeah, the, the result was unfortunate. You know, AEW, like, ostensibly is supposed to be telling stories through the results of these matches because the wins and losses matter. So we'll see where it goes, but I don't yeah. really see any reason for Cody I mean, to have to win this. Match. Well, not only that, I mean, if you want to make, I mean, again, you know, th- this match once again showed why I think Pentagon, you know, Pentasel Miedo is one of my top three wrestlers in the entire goddamn world. And yeah, and, top one point uh well okay that's that's an argument to be had it's an argument though it is an argument it is and i he um what am i trying to say here yeah i mean there was no reason for him not to go over in this match 
Yeah, None. I mean, right. if you want to build elevate, I guess stars, the idea is you know you want him to be mad so that the beatdown after is more effective because he loses and so now he's mad and does the beatdown. But you could just as easily get the same result with an insult to injury type situation. Yeah, you could. I mean, why couldn't Penna have won and then beat him down? I mean, I that, agree. That, that you know, it, I mean, it serves nothing. What does it serve for Cody to to win this match? I, yeah, what is it, no, sir? No, that makes sense to me. Well, what is it, sir? Yeah, alternatively, if Penda wins, oh hey, we have another you know singles guy who could be a challenger, especially since now that you know the tag, the Lucha Bros tag team seems to have been broken up and you know temporarily within the unit because Pac and, and Ray Phoenix are now teaming. Yeah, it, the the whole thing is a little strange. I guess we'll see where it goes because I think this is going to tie into the larger um, Nightmare Family storyline, which was visited here. Post-beatdown, QT Marshall shows up late after everybody else had already got there, and uh, they're all like, where were you, dude? And he's like, what happened? I don't know. So I guess we'll see. There's looks like there's some cracks in the armor there of the Nightmare Family. Uh, this whole episode had a narrative, and this is part of that narrative. Uh, so we will revisit some faction drama uh, as this one goes on. Indeed, we will. In fact, uh, our next segment has that right now as uh, Alex Whoa. Marvez. Right now? Right now. Right now. Right Holy now. Holy crap. As Alex Marvez attempts to interview the Young Bucks and then gets interrupted by one Don Callis of Impact TNA uh, Anthem Wrestling. One Cyrus the Virus. Uh, well, one, one, the one guy from the network. Guy from the network. Yeah, for, you know, if we go back to ECW on TNN. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Bring back the Truth Commission. What's Kurgan up to? What's Kurgan the Interrogator doing? <laughs> Uh, so Don Callis. Now there's all these factions. We should bring back the friggin' oddities. It's the perfect time. Oh, well, John, it's the perfect time for the oddities to return. Call ICP. Uh, you know, a bunch of them are dead, but we'll find new ones. Say, yeah, uh, John Tenda's quite dead. Luna Luna Vachon is not going to make it, but you know, we can carry on some legacies. Uh, Don Callis, you know, runs down the bucks once again and uh, saying, you know, big upping, you know, the good brothers, of course. You know, trying to still separate the Bucks and from Kenny Omega. Yeah, trying doing to... some mastermind stuff, pulling strings, wearing coats that are down to his knees. You know, the the, the usual. The huge. Our second match of the evening, uh, Jade Cargill beats the high holy bejesus out of Danny Jordan. R.I.P. Danny Jordan. We it's too bad it had to be you, but great job, great job getting your ass kicked. Um, uh, you know. This is exactly what Jade should be doing is just squashing other women on dark for right now. Yeah, and that's probably what will be happening for a little bit, which is good. They did point this out. Uh, Jade Cargill's first professional wrestling match was that tag match with uh, with Shaq and Red Velvet and Cody. Uh, that was her first ever match, though. So this is her second ever match. What What is her background? Uh, she was a basketball player. Ah. Oh, okay. Now that makes uh, suddenly it makes also, all the sense I think with the, she the been, whole Shaq thing. I don't know. Like, what's what are what's the X Men storyline? Probably something like that. I don't know. She's like uh, she's made of adamantium. Uh, <laughs> she uh, has the power of lightning gods or something. I don't know. Well, she's did, a superhero, did, did man. She, <laughs> she's incredible. Did she, did she escape from from wep, from the Weapon X project? Or? She escaped from the Weapon X project. Um, yeah, she's gonna sprout claws, and Brian Cage is gonna cry a single tear. 
That's right. A well deserved, a well deserved single tier. No, Jade is like for real a superhero. Like, it's really fitting that she threw an incredible German suplex in this match because she might be like the most can't miss like blue chip crossover prospect since Brock Lesnar, and I'm serious about that. Holy Jesus! Yeah, that that German she threw. My God. And again, fitting because yeah, she might be like the she might be the next big thing, Jeff. Like this, the like this is the first time I think I've seen like an athlete come over uh, from another world, just get right into wrestling and take to it like a fish to water, and also just be so physically impressive and have that kind of just physical charisma. Obviously, the promos and the acting, she's gonna learn that stuff takes time, but she has the confidence for it. And uh, I think Jay Cargill might be like a uh, superstar. Uh, after the match, uh, she gets into it with Red Velvet on the out in the crowd. But, uh, you know, you know this is Jay Cargill. Uh, yeah, she has Velvet, all the, the elements. Velvet. Red Velvet, you know, not the biggest lady on the roster. And she stands right up to Jade, doesn't ever show fear. Uh, she's a really good opponent. I think this feud is really fun. And I think it's going to do what feuds between wrestlers like this should always do. And that's elevate both talents. And I think they're both going to come away with it with a higher profile. And that's the most important thing. We then go to a recap of last week's uh, main event uh, beatdown of... Uh, of the inner circle by MJF, FTR, Sean Spears, and Telly Blanchard, and Wardlow. Uh, this transitions into a promo of the new unit who call themselves the Pinnacle. The Pinnacle, because when you've climbed to the top and you have nowhere else to go, that's where you are, Jeff. Uh, Telly Blanchard's promo was tip-top. I, I thought his bit was, was fantastic. That was the best part of this, bar none. Yeah, Tully, very uh, uh, competent still. Uh, no rust there, obviously. Very effective, very good at getting across what the point of this was. Uh, you know, hitting all the right notes, passing the mic to MJF. Really good stuff there. I thought this promo overall was a little bit long. It was. I I'll just, Can I give my overall take? You gave your overall ladder match take recently. Can I give you my overall promos take? Go right ahead. I don't think these type of segments should exist at all. It, there should mm. never be a segment where it's just I'm wrestler or I am wrestlers and we are coming out and they took time for us to just stand here with microphones. There's no interviewer. There's no point to the interview. There's no like uh, like thing behind it. There's no match like there to like have a reason for them to be at the ring. I just, I don't know. I'm kind of tired of that in general. I don't really think it's a good, like, device. Like, have an, have an interviewer there say that, you know, these guys finally speak and we have Tony Schiavone here to ask them questions. And that kind of solves it for me. But when it's just, like, wrestlers and I came out here and I'm just going to have a microphone and talk and that's the whole point of this, I don't know. It doesn't do it for me. Uh, you know, I, I, I see the point. Like, what if there was a match? What if you had, like, MJF or one of the FTR guys or, War or even Wardlow just, like, beat somebody up, like, real quick, do, like, a two-minute match, and then at the end, you know, you say, oh, I'm here with these guys, and they're all together. What are you doing here now? Can you explain, like, why you did that last week? Like, something to kind of anchor this. Yeah, well, I, I, again, I think a lot of this it comes from the culture that 
has been so ingrained in American television wrestling because thanks to a, a WWE that had no actual competition. Oh, yeah. And for, we've for, talked for, about the... For nigh on the, 20 years. Yeah, we've talked about the McManification of the fans' psyche on this podcast before. And I think that's, that shows everywhere, right? And sometimes that shows on AEW, and I wish they would just break away from that once in a while. But, and this is the kind of this is the kind of thing that really showed me, like the lasting effect that WWE style wrestling has had and will have for generations. But, you know, again, the, the NWO used to do this shit all the time too. Yeah. But like, so, it, but the NWO, it was like, they were interrupting, right? Like they were disrupting existing segments it, and like taking it, over, like taking time and like inconveniencing someone else. Right. Yeah, like well, that was at, the whole thing. at first. Yes. When, when they became a much more established stable, then yes, they were. We got you know the the big you know Eric Bischoff and and Hulk Hogan. Right. And then what yeah. happened when all that started happening? The, it got worse, and nobody cared anymore. Well, okay, and that's true. Now I think for like an introductory thing, I don't mind it so much because um, I mean even recently, like in Dragon Gate, you know that we had we've had several new units crop up. One of which is a you know a, a redo of a previous unit that voluntarily split up so they weren't forced to break up so they could come back together but like you know they had you know the segments of you know the masquerade unit forming where you know when they all came out they we knew that they were a unit but when when they announced themselves as the masquerade they all came out in these you know the venetian carnival uh costumes okay right well so now you have like a segment where you have like a costume and like a reveal and that that's different that's kind of that's um, cool there's some production behind it there's some pageantry behind it this is just five dudes standing in the ring and like looking at each other and one guy talked Right, but I mean, also, you know, Natural Vibes reunited, and so, and now we have another unit called High End, where they all got together, you know, and, you know, they, they, a lot of times, now mind you, in Dragon Gate, a lot of times they'll just, a lot of what happens in Dragon Gate is guys talking about their feelings towards one another. And that's, well, that rocks, I'm actually really into that. Yeah, so, that is a lot of Dragon Gate's promos, and. But you can do that, like, you can do that with interviews, you can do that with, like, a a match to bookend it, just something to kind of anchor it more than, oh, well, we just came out here to take 10 minutes of your time, and we're just going to speak, and then we're going to leave. Nothing else is going to happen. And, like, I don't know, it kind of feels a little bit cheap to me. Okay, and I feel that, but you know what, as long as, I don't think we're going to be getting competing ones between... You know the pinnacle and the inner circle, and no, I, at I, least I hope. So. Not. I think the inner, I think the inner circle's dead. Well, let's hope so because I, I, I think the inner circle is actually dead. I, it, I, because if there's maybe one thing I they go- come back, and maybe that's why you know we haven't seen any of them on TV yet. But I can see them coming back. You know, uh, Santana and Ortiz by themselves, Guevara by himself, Chris Jericho comes back solo as a babyface. I mean, if there's one thing I can say about. Uh, you know, factions and units in New Japan is that they they have stuck around way too damn long. Like, oh yeah, I mean, you know, sometimes they do, yeah. some, and that's another WWE thing. I think is like people expect factions to be short term all the time. Like, it's really hard for people to imagine a faction like being a thing that lasts for years and years. Uh, that, that seems like a WWE thing because they've always been like on a course to like anytime a faction. That comes together, they break them up within nine months. Like the new day was like the one that like was able to be sustained uh, for more than a couple of years. Right, but to use the Dragon Gate example again, what, and they the, broke them up too. Right, but to to use the Dragon Gate example again, the the biggest match, biggest matches in Dragon Gate are not like 
title matches, although they are big, or any, or any of the, the Apuestas matches, you know, where you have a, a mask or hair or, or something on the line. The biggest matches in Dragon Gate are a unit must disband match. Which, I mean, if you make that like the biggest thing, good, but it can't happen often, right? Like you can't have units disband all the time. Otherwise, you kind of diminish the returns. I mean, it, I mean, you, you get at least one per year. But, you know, that's one per year, you know? Yeah, and having a big annual thing you do is, like, that's a little bit different, too, right? Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, anyway, I mean, I, and I'm not a, really a Dragon Gate expert, although I have been watching more of it in 2021. But, uh, uh, but anyway, yeah, uh, overall... I'm going to say I didn't think that MJF's promo was was bad anyway, but as you no, said, it, uh-uh. the segment itself it went way too long. I thought. Yeah, it went long, but no, I, I you know MJF's intensity was was very strong. The promo itself wasn't bad, uh, but yeah, it's just it was a little long. I get it. I see what you're here, what you're doing. Stop showing me Sean Spears' haircut. Stop. Stop putting <laughs> that on my TV. Stop doing it. Our third match of the evening, speaking of factions and, 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 and such, uh, we have a team-up of uh, baby faces who don't seem to like each other in Jurassic Express and Bear Country going up against uh, Matt Hardy gun. Uh, Matt Hardy, Private Party, The Butcher, the and The well, Blade with The Bear bunny. Country doesn't like anybody. They just, you know, want to eat some salmon that are swimming up the stream. You know, they've just come out of hibernation recently. They're very hungry. Uh, they have a long spring ahead. They got to worry about hunters. Damn straight. Uh, Bear Country had one of the the best ma- moments of the match when they just threw Marco on <laughs> onto the the heels down down below. Was that Bear Country's best moment, or was that Butcher's best moment when he s- literally saved Marco Stunt's life? Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> if it like Andy Williams saved Marco Stunt's entire brain. Yeah. Well, like, holy shit. If he didn't reach his hands up and just catch him there, that could have been real bad. Yes, yes. It could have. But <laughs> yeah, Marco was absolutely flung. Bear Country. Can we talk about Bear Country for a hot second here? Go right um, ahead. The AEW tag team division is very deep, Jeff. We talk about it a lot. They have a lot of really strong tag teams, uh, different teams that could compete at for the title at any time. They have a diverse lineup. They have a lot of different styles of tag team wrestler. Uh, it's a very well-rounded division. There is one thing that tag team division is missing, Jeff, and it's the bruiser big boy tag team. It's the big giants, right? Okay. Bear I, I, Country I think... really could be that like missing piece. Uh, they are really good. They get better rapidly, and they're fucking huge. <laughs> and they are, they are, they're, they're some big boys. boys. <laughs> they are some some big boys. They're two giant dudes named Bear. What's not to like? <laughs> I mean, you know, they do what they say on the tin. I mean, you know, it rules. And yeah, no, I think this is a uh, this is good. I hope that they get signed because I think they'll be a really strong. AEW doesn't need a lot more tag teams, but this is one they could use. Uh, of course, you know, through the match, Bear Country and Jurassic Express uh, did not get on the same page. That would end up costing them as Matt Hardy steals a win from one of his uh, underlings yet again. Yet again. Yet again. You hate to see it. Uh, so there, there's that. So the the Matt Hardy private party butcher and blade. Hardy Matt, goon. Matt Hardy, Hardy goon. Goon. Matt Hardy goon. Uh, they they steal the win again. And then we transition into John Moxley and Eddie Kingston. And Great promo. 
They're really, just having a, they're just having a time. <laughs> dudes do in fact rock, Jeff. I know some people have been, you know, like walking away from dudes rock a little bit, but just when you think that dudes don't rock, Eddie Kingston and John Roxley remind you that dudes do in fact rock. Um, yeah, and, 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 and even though they're a little aside, can we even say Bullet Club? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, everybody was, else is saying it. it like, they have a great chemistry. This was a really fun little uh, little promo to hype up their upcoming uh, tag match on the yeah. show. And of course, you could say Bullet Club John Moxley because you hold a New Japan title, so you can say that's Bullet. true. He is a New Japan champion. Uh, yeah, the Forbidden Door is open, Jeff. It is open. Forbidden Door is in fact, and you know what? I'm I'm excited because we're going to talk about the Forbidden Door t- uh, later on this podcast too. That's a tease. Oh boy, I, I I can't wait. I'm a professional. Uh, uh, we then go to a backstage interview with uh, one Mr. Christian Cage, and um, I, I yeah he he he's gonna jump uh, Eddie Kingston in line for uh, Kenny Omega for a challenge on Kenny Omega, isn't he? I don't. I one no, I don't think so. Two, I really liked this promo, especially upon a second viewing. Um, I thought this was really good and really effective and got me more excited for Christian Cage's upcoming run. Uh, he definitely hasn't lost a step promo-wise. He still has all that emotion. And he really has that feeling of like, you know, a veteran coming back because he feels like he has something to prove. And he really conveyed that well, I thought. Um, did you know? Have you noticed a lot of, uh, shall we say, the more WWE-centric folk on Twitter are shitting on Christian Cage signing to AEW when, you know, not – Six weeks ago, they were all about Christian coming back in the Royal Rumble. <laughs> well, that's that's you know wrestling Twitter, obviously very fickle. Yeah, very fickle. I mean, that's just that's just how that's always going to be, right? If you're a WWE person, you're going to find everything you can to snipe at AEW, and if you're one of those AEW diehards and think like AEW is the savior of pro wrestling and can do no wrong, and WWE is all that is bad, and everything AEW does is right, and everything WWE is wrong, you'll probably do the same thing, right? Which we are not that show. I just want to throw that out there. <laughs> yeah, like I think Goldberg and Sting both rule, and it's okay that they both wrestle, so, you know? Yeah. I mean, Edge is, is looking, looking like he's going to be you know, at WrestleMania in the main event. So yeah. I mean, Edge has been wrestling his ass off. The, the times that I've seen Edge, like I watched the Royal Rumble that he returned at. Um, I watched his WrestleMania match with Randy Orton. Uh, Edge can wrestle his ass off still, so I have no problem with that. He looks great. Our fourth match of the year. And Christian looks great too. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm excited. And then to, to your Kenny Omega point, to, fit, like, to finish that off, he mentioned specifically in that promo that he understands he has to get some wins and pay his dues and do that before he gets to Kenny. So he did address in the promo, you know, kayfabe wise that he's going to be away from that title picture for a minute. So I don't think he's the next title competitor. I do think he has the title shot coming sometime here, probably by the summer. I mean, you, you don't get a guy like that and then just not give him a title shot. I mean, no, no, no. He's no, been, I, that's baked in, but I think we're a few months out from it. You may be right. So, our fourth match of the evening: John Moxley and Eddie Kingston versus the Good Brothers, uh, Machine Gun Carl Anderson and Doc Gallows. Uh, they kind of went right to it, and uh, yeah, this was uh, it was a fun little brawl. Good, but not yeah. great. I didn't think. Yeah, it was effective. I think you know yeah. these are two of the best hands. I think in in Gallows and Anderson, they don't have bad matches. Um, and the Kingston and Moxley dynamic continues to build. That's kind of what this was for. It was a storytelling match, and I thought it was effective. 
Yeah, and this was a storytelling match. The 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 overall story being that um, the Young Bucks uh, not approving of what uh, their fellow ex bullet clubbers are are doing here. It's like yeah, it, this was interesting. It, 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 I'm it's not like, really sure what to think of all this yet. Yeah, I, I'm not either because it, like, did the Young Bucks forget what they did in the Bullet Club? <laughs> you know, you know, memories are short in professional wrestling, Jeff. It, it turns out. Um, now, what was interesting, a little overwrought, but interesting, was uh, Eddie insisting he get back in the ring to 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 help Mox. You know, or, you gotta be there for your boy. Yeah, you gotta be there for your bros, dude. So I mean, so let's kayfabe this. So did Eddie like did something unlock in Eddie when he when he when he said I quit to Mox? All the, you know, many moons ago, and then I think what really unlocked was the uh, the explosion. I think that's supposed to be the moment. Obviously, they might be retconned due to technical difficulties, but I think that's supposed to be the moment when he realized that he will sacrifice himself for his friend. Like that, he just can't stand by. Yeah, I mean, it, it, and that's fine, but I mean, th- there had to be roots in it. So you think it was actually the 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 verge of the explosion? That <clears throat> yeah, well, <laughs> the less said about the better, but. Hey, had that explosion looked cool, this would have made a lot more sense. Had that explosion looked cool, I I don't think we would have had half of our last episode. I mean, we would have been like, the explosion looked cool, and we'd find different ways to talk about that and how cool it was. (laughs) We're professionals! (laughs) AEW, if you make a good explosion match, I promise you we'll we'll say nice things about it for just as long as we said bad things about the other one. Uh, We then go into an interview with uh, Darby Allin and Steve Stinger. And uh, this gets interrupted not once, but twice. Uh, the first there were time... some interrupties happening. Uh, but before that, I thought Darby's you know, uh, promo about how he's only defended his belt three times and he wants to be a fighting champion was pretty nice. Uh, he calls out Dark Order, which I thought was a really good way to go for this. As uh, He begins his process of being an open challenge fighting champion style uh, uh, title holder. Uh, so I thought that was good. Yeah, and uh, well, we'll get back to that here in a little bit. Um, that being said, uh, Jake Roberts brings out Lance Archer to you know address his grievances from WCW as we talked about last week. And uh, yeah, Still Lan- yeah, Lance Archer. Yeah, this could be fun. Oh yeah, this Lance could be Archer real fun. Great, and again, his uh, his promo work has been getting better, probably due to all the time he's spending with people like Jake Roberts. I'm sure he's learning. Um. After they say their piece, uh, we get interrupted again by Team Taz, although we have a little bit of a... Uh, a so this was an, an interruption within an interruption. Indeed. Because... because so Lance Archer and Jake interrupt Darby Allen and Sting, and then Team Taz interrupts Sting and Darby Allen, and then Brian Cage interrupts Taz interrupting Sting and Darby Allen, who were interrupted by Lance Archer and Jake the Snake. A lot of promo interruptus going on here. Promus interruptus. That's Latin. <laughs> this is a bilingual podcast now. Uh, yeah, Brian Cage uh, showing some respect to the to Steve Stinger and uh, by literally saying, "Hey, bro, I respect like, you." Yeah, exactly. And respect uh, you, bro. And, and, and Taz, uh, Taz was nonplussed by this. Neither was Ricky Starks, who said one of my favorite. Like to see like a twenty four year old man say, "Are you smoking dope?" was very funny. <laughs> Of course, the answer is, yeah, we all are backstage, man. Come on. (laughs) Are you smoking dope was a really good line from a man 
to say. Like, uh, just... are you smoking dope? And do you got any? Because um, uh, I ran out. Yeah. You, you you rolling up the devil's lettuce? <laughs> yeah, some of that reefer. Got some of the Panama red there, chief. Yeah, you got some of the the chiba. Yep. The yes, Buddha. I was, I was so. One of my favorite podcasts, The Dollop, uh, has been doing live episodes occasionally where they'll they'll do like a, just like a Dave and Gareth will just go on camera and like do a live episode that they only leave up for a couple of days. It doesn't like stay available as a podcast. And my girlfriend and I have been uh, uh, watching them and they were talking about like a, like a festival in the 70s that went bad. And like people had all their signs, like people like selling drugs just had like big signs that said stuff like, yeah, Panama red and like two lids or like whatever. <laughs> it's like the old, the dated weed language was so fun. To, like, oh my see. goodness. I really love dated weed language. Pot, even pot sounds so funny. Like you smoking some pot. Yeah, that, that is, yeah, that, that, that has gotten, that has gotten dated actually. It's yeah, funny. yeah. Some Maui, you got some Maui wowie. <laughs> <laughs> you like me like 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 as a as a millennial you, there were two kinds of weed growing up there was regs and there was dro either you were smoking regs or you were smoking dro and that was it those are the only two kinds i just remember the, everything man I, I just remember the end of a uh one of the hbo uh Ali g show episodes where uh he, he's he's interviewing a dea guy and he just like the the entire end credit sequence is him rattling rattling off like all these names for 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 marijuana. It was it was amazing. <laughs> I, 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 I love G show rules. I love the the Ali G show. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> folks. Rewatch the Ali G show. Uh, we then get sure a, it's not problematic at all. I'm no, sure it's no, no, and it wasn't. Problematic. I'm sure it all holds up perfectly. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, and it wasn't p- problematic back then either. No, not yeah, at all. By not, those at all. not at all. <laughs> no. Uh, we then get a uh, a video recap of uh, the travails of Scorpio Sky as uh, he seems to be on a uh, a path to heal them again. He is definitely on a path to heal them, and you know what? Good, I like it. Uh, we then get our fifth match of the evening: uh, Ray Phoenix contra Angelico. Um, I just have we one... should cut we should cut the Lucha Underground like the the bumper sound in right here the God damn it. you know what you know the thing is is like I was gonna say I have one note on this match and that is Lucha Underground lives forever. Woo! Yeah, goddamn right it does. Lucha Underground will always live. And you you messaged me something that I think you're right about. If you uh, want to uh, bring that, up. I will bring that up. And and that is is that and I got some uh, feedback on this from other sources as well as like. Uh, low key or very, maybe even high key, the first two seasons of Lucha Underground may be the most influential thing in American wrestling in the last ten years. It's hard to argue with. I mean, I would challenge anybody to tell me what's been more influential as a television wrestling product, because a lot of what mainstream wrestling has done in the years since has directly emulated the Lucha Underground product. I mean, let's face it. I mean the the. The, the contracts that the wrestlers were signed to were kind of garbage, uh, as, oh, yeah. as we all know. But that, that all... I think a lot of that had to do. It was less wrestling. It was it was more television production. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm speaking know. strictly artistically, like as a as a television and pro wrestling product. Um, it was fantastic, and not just it was good. It was literally influential. Like so many wrestlers took the things they learned there and the character work they did there. 
and branched out and like their characters and what they've done in pro wrestling since then uh, has been directly affected by it. Uh, what wrestling promoters and television shows are doing have absolutely learned from that style and have, you know, aped from it, be like, you know, cinematic wrestling and all that stuff has definitely learned lessons from that. I think commentary has learned from Matt Stryker and Vampiro's dynamic. Um, yeah, I think, I think all that. So it's hard to find another uh, uh, property that's been more influential over the last decade or two than Lucha well, Underground. I, how many people who are veterans of that show are are currently on on wrestling TV and, and bigger promotions now? Like, of- like you know, of course, Ray Phoenix, uh, Pentel Miedo, and Helico. You know, Jack Evans and and Helico. Um, yeah. Sunny Kiss. Sunny Kiss. Um, then on Rick, the AAA side, you still Rick, have Ricochet. a lot of it. Well, how about Ricochet? Because he was Ricochet, huge. Jeff Cobb was Matanza Coedo. Yep. Uh, you have uh, Santos Escobar. He goes by an NXT now. King Cuerno. Hio Del Fantasma. Yeah, yeah, Elio Del, Del Fantasma. That's correct. Um, the only one that's that... like the whole roster. Isaiah, uh, Swerve. You have Swerve. Yeah, Sh- uh-huh. yeah, Sh- Shane Strickland. Yeah, he's there. Yep. Um, well, how about um, uh, Io Shirai and Kyrie Hojo? Kyrie, yeah, yeah, they, uh, they were. Ivelisse. Yeah, uh, yeah, Evilise. <laughs> the most said about her, the better. Or, or but Brian Cage. Brian Cage. Brian John Cage. Morrison. Yeah, John Moore. Yeah. Like, you know, like the whole roster is like out there on mainstream TV. Sammy Callahan, which, you know, again, the less said about him, the better. But, <laughs> but no, but, it's 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 pretty remarkable. Absolutely. Yeah. And I like mean, when you go back and watch that first season of Lucha Underground, it really does feel like magic. It's really an incredible, like, you know, I rewatched it for my Twitch feed. Um, and I've, you know, rewatched a bunch of their matches just all over the place. And it really is like watching like lightning in a bottle, like something I mean, like a really rare thing in wrestling. It's a delight. I mean, they, what a great they, I mean, they were the first American wrestling program to have a light tube death match on their show. Remember Ultima Lucio, Pentagon and, uh, and, and Vampiro. Have, has anyone done an episode by episode Lucha Underground recap podcast yet? Because uh, hmm. I, I think so. I think several. I, well, yeah, there was one on this feed, uh, Lucha Afterground. Oh, perfect. Have I done one though? Hmm. I thought you did. Well, did you, just didn't that, you do I, the? Did you do that Lucha episodes on Twitch? We just watched episodes on Twitch where okay. we were just like watched. Yeah, the Lucha you know, Underground. Anyway, Lucha Underground. Uh, anyway, this match was pretty fucking good. Hell yeah, it was a Lucha Underground match. I mean, it was even complete with, like, it felt like it, too. Like, the spots and the, the storytelling. And, like, you know, Ray Phoenix and Angelico were part of an incredible six-person tag um, in season one or two. And so this is not the first time they've met in this capacity, and they are great dance partners. Yeah, this is uh, apparently, according to Cubs fan, this was their first ever singles match together. Which, amazing. but And it wor- really worked. I know I've said a lot of great things about Angelico. I'm a big fan of Angelico. And he shined here. Uh, really just, yeah, fun. What, what, maybe six or seven minute match? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a quick TV match, but it, it did what it had to do. And uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, hey, quasi-related, did you see, remember the uh, the Lucha Six Man that we, we both saw at, uh, at Two Cups Stuffed? Yes. Did you see GCW is booking a sequel match to that? I did see that, and that one's going to be huge because that one was awesome at Two Cup Stuff. Two Cup Stuff was a wild show. Uh, This one... And then this one's got a mix of, of different luchadors from different promotions as uh, Gringo Loco, who, of course, you know, we know here on the Chicago Indies real well, uh, Black Torus and Ares 
uh, contra Laredo Kid from AAA and MLW, Dragon Bane from IWRG, and Aramis. I have the only one of these wrestlers I have not seen wrestle is Dragon Bane, which is such a cool name. Like I'm already into it. Yeah, I think he's he was recently in. Like, if uh, you're named after a like a what could have been a Valyrian steel sword in the A Song of Ice and Fire series, uh, I'm already into it. Uh, this Sign could me. have been. Yeah, I, I think he was recently in Gali. You know the you know the uh, the lucha Gali promotion. Lucha, yeah, yeah, yeah. From from Villa Park. You know. Hell yeah. Okay. Okay. So. Uh, anyway, that'll be on April the 9th at uh, GCW Spring Break. So, uh, Ricky Shane Page's Spring Break. Ricky Shane Page's Spring Break. <laughs> that's what it is. That's, is it really? Oh, yeah, shit. yeah. So they did an angle where Joey wrestled Ricky, and if Ricky won, uh, he would get the rights to Spring Break, and Ricky did, in fact, win. So now it's Ricky Shane Page's Spring Break. You know, I have only seen Ricky Shane Page uh, live once, and it really? was it, it was for old time wrestling where he was playing that uh, that Judge oh, and Senator wow. character. Oh wow, they do old time wrestling in Detroit too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're a good promotion. I saw them in uh, in Muncie, Indiana, with like twenty five champion for like eight years. Yeah, it, yeah. Matt Cross has been their their champion since forever, and like. They had like Kelly Klein as like the bearded lady. And, oh, that's great! Kelly yeah, Klein rocks. I, I, oh, it's a it's a fun promotion. That looked like fun. I've always wanted to check that out. Yeah, it seems... I mean they don't they don't do anything anything you know hardcore or or too you know too intensive. Right. It's just it, it's just a fun time. I just like that goofy kind of shit. Yeah, I'm super into that. Um, no, I've seen Ricky. Sh- I've seen Ricky wrestle like a lot. He wrestles in Chicago a ton. And actually, well, you, well, you do more. You do more death matches than I do. So yeah, he, well, yeah, he does do a little more death matchy stuff once in a while. Yeah, that's true. But no, I'll I'll tell you one of my favorite t- matches I've ever seen him in was in New York at Pancakes and Pile Drivers. He had a absolute like five star banger with the uh, uh, not the infamous Tessa Blanchard. Hmm. Like, look, Tessa's an asshole, but that match was outrageously good. Uh, I just kind of like to see it. <laughs> speaking of assholes, at least in kayfabe, uh, we then go to an interview with uh, Alex Marvez and Miro. Don't call Tra- Alex Marvez an asshole. Oh, Miro. <laughs> Trying to blow off. Alex uh, Marvez seems like a nice guy. Like, he just seems like a nice man. He, he, you know, he, you, he gets you, way too much abuse over, on TV. You'd go over to his house for a barbecue. He'd have just, like, hot dogs and hamburgers to be very regular It'd be very normal. You'd have a very normal time. Um, so uh, Miro tries to blow off the whole challenge from Chuck Taylor, but uh, Kip Sabian arrives and says, "You know what? I, I I've still got some feelings about this, and I, I think we we should take them up on it." And uh, by it's the all way, like, what's all this, mate? And, and I can he, do the, I can do an English accent on the St. Patty's Day show. Yeah, that's right. You can because uh, yeah, the we hate the English. <laughs> oh, we can openly hate the English here. Okay, well, all right. now that I, I know no, that, I, I kid, I kid, I kid, <laughs> I kid, I kid. Talk about forbidden doors being open. Let's go. Um, so he wants a, uh, he does want this rematch, and by the way, he's not too happy about uh, Miro slamming him into Penelope and injuring Penelope. I mean, yeah, you can't. You, you said you, 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 you slam me into my wife. That's bloody mental, isn't it? You're gonna get me in so much trouble on this show one of these days. Um, so to uh, a bit the old money. So we, so we, uh, so we, we tease a split with uh, between Kip and Miro, and uh, eventually, I guess we're gonna have this match. 
at some yeah, point. Yeah. On, on Dynamite, maybe. We're going to do it again. <laughs> Let's do it again. Yay. We're, we're, this angle Let's still continues. Going. Everyone loves it. Everyone's still into it. So let's keep going. Woo! Great. Uh, we go backstage as uh, the Dark Order convenes to, um, to to figure out who who will meet Darby Allen's open challenge. And of course, Negative One wants a shot at Darby, which, you know, can you blame a shot. him? Do it. Give him a shot. I, I say we do it. But no, instead, we get Johnny Hungy as uh, John Silver will take on Darby Allen next week on Dynamite. And this was this was like I feel like the obvious choice that I think when people first saw like Darby was going to do an open challenge, I think a lot of folks' minds probably went to John Silver, and that's great, and I'm happy, and I think that's going to be a fun match. I think the real inspired choice for this match would have been number ten. Uh, he's been on a hot streak lately. He's had some really good matches. He has the very close relationship with Negative One. Um, I think this would have been a really good rub for number ten, Preston Vance, but. John Silver's going to give Darby a really good match. So uh, I, 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 I couldn't, before, right? They had to have wrestled him beyond at some point. I can't imagine a. Uh, I can't imagine that they hadn't. Yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah. I, I'll have to. Well, he, you know what? No, you know what? I don't feel like looking up cage match. Welcome to the podcast where we just look up cage match results live and find them out and go, <laughs> "Hey, remember that? Oh, cool." It's just the whole podcast is being like, hey, those guys wrestled. Then it's like like 30 seconds of clicking. You just hear click, 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 click. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah, look, they wrestled at White Eagle Hall in 2014. Oh, cool. <laughs> I, oh. You know, I actually imagine that is what most wrestling podcasts are like, actually. <laughs> I wouldn't know. I don't really, I don't listen to wrestling podcasts. I, the only ones I listen to are, uh, you know, my, our friends here on the PWOM yeah. podcast network. Honestly, the only pod, wrestling podcast in my feed anymore are PWOM podcasts. Yeah. Well, you know, we, we we love our friend. That's right. And we love this main event. Uh, a lights, love the main event, Jeff. A lights out match between Thunder Rosa and Doctor Britt Baker, DMD, with Rebel and uh. First of all, the fact that they made a women's match the main event, but second, the fact that they made a death match with the women in it as the main event. Hey, I didn't know how far this was going to go into death match territory, but oh, it did it, there. Oh, it went into death it match did territory. It into that territory. I'll uh, say. I, I, I have it on, hold on. I have it on good authority from someone who would know. That would be Bahu FMW, saying that this actually did more to homage and pay tribute to 90s Japanese death matches than um, than Moxley versus Omega. I would agree with that. This is, and, and I'll want to get into that too, because like, it's really interesting how this match like basically delivered on all of the exploding barbed wire death matches promises. It really did. Like, it, like we thought we were going to get a match of the year candidate in March. We just didn't know which week in March we were going to get it. Right, and it and, and turns out... Turns um, out. Hey, I'll say one of the the, the 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 unfortunate things about having to record this podcast on a different day than the show like we usually do is that we aren't able to convey like our emotions like directly after something like this happens. Right. Because um, uh, like, wow. Like, and, and the, uh, that's what really this match was so effective at doing and did what the best wrestling matches truly do. And that's give you feelings, Jeff. Yes, <laughs> and there were feelings to be had because there were so many feelings. A lot of them were pain, but <laughs> yeah, not for us. Um, both women 
getting color, especially Brit. Who did Brit bleed? Oh my god! Uh, I mean, Brit. I was holy shit. And then you know the thumbtack spots. Um, thumbtack spots were great. The ladder spots were great. Reba's table spot was great. How about how about the fire thunder driver into the table fire in the match? Driver. Yeah, the, the the ending spot was perfect. Like to put an exclamation point on a match that already had that much violence is very tough to do. And in a lot of these kind of matches, one of the easiest things to not deliver on, as we saw in the exploding barbed wire death match. Delivering on the finish is the hardest part, Jeff. And uh, this one really did. Every moment of this match clicked. Um, from the talent to the psychology to how it was booked to the extracurricular stuff uh, to Reba to the commentary. I think we should commend the commentary team. All three commentators, I thought, called this one very well. They did. Jim Ross. Yeah, no, no, no. no I agree. They, yeah, Ross, JR was not lost on this. No, Jay, um, he had the thread. He gave it just they, they all three of these commentators were putting it over the way. I mean, they're looking at it. You, how can you not when you're seeing what you're seeing? But like it was really nice to hear Shivani and Jim Ross especially convey their like pleasant, happy shock and surprise. Because a couple times even Shivani is like, I don't even know what to say anymore. Like This is. Like, I can't even believe what I'm seeing. And like, I believed him. He really couldn't believe what he was seeing. He was like, holy shit. Um, yeah, I, I just, yeah, it, 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 that was a definitely a match of the year contender. Absolutely. I, it's going to be hard to top, man. It's going to be real hard to top. That was possibly the best dynamite main event they've ever had. And, Ooh, and, and, I, and that includes the infamous dog collar match between, you know, that ended up being Brody Lee's last match. Yeah. And that was an incredible match. You know, it was, yeah, that, and also, that match like, was incredible. Not necessarily, you know, and also I think uh, I think Brody's two minute beatdown of Cody. If you count what happened after and the the Nightmare Family beatdown and the belt and uh, the belt destruction and uh, Anna Jay choking out Brandy and all of that together, I think you know I've talked about this before. I think that's the best segment the Dynamite's ever pulled off, and I still think that is the best segment in Dynamite history. It, this it's, way up up it's way up this there. It's way up there. You can have the argument between either one, and I'm okay with either, because this was fantastic. It was everything it needed to be, and more, and to exceed expectations when they were already high uh, is saying something, especially after people were a little, probably a little bit skeptical uh, when they failed to deliver on some parts of that exploding barbed wire death match. But this one certainly delivered in every aspect. Yeah, it, it, I, I, it was just a stunning match, and it was... Stunning in how it was wrestled. It was stunning in the the level of violence that they were allowed to get up to on on TV. Yep, and stunning in the in the way that the story was told with the escalation and it just the stakes felt there. It just everything was about it was so good, man. Yeah, and, and when I go back to revisit it, I watched it again uh, today. It's just drama. It's just drama and it's elation and that's all that stuff. And by the end of it, you're just on this high and you're going, yes, 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 yes. Yeah. It's what being a wrestling fan. Like this is the good shit about being a wrestling fan right here. It's not like looking at something artistically or critical or like uh, kayfabe this or that, blah, blah, blah. It's watching a really, really great wrestling match and just letting your feelings kind of take you through it. And this one really puts you on that journey. It was fucking awesome. Yeah, I mean, even Thunder Rosa crying, you know, at the and end. And those of it. tears were earned, and they felt earned, and you could feel it. That's what I'm saying. Like, you, it was all there. 
Yeah, it, a magnificent, a magnificent piece of wrestling television. Absolutely. This, this is why we do this shit right here. Yeah, and and with that, let, let's end this on a high note. With that, that ends episode seventy-one of the St. Patrick's Day Slam edition of AEW Dynamite. Um, overall, really good show. Uh, a lot. It, it's still we're still in early. You know, we're we're still early in the post pay per view. Um, you know, lull. So you know, a lot of pieces are getting moved. But you know, at the same time, when you have a main event like that, that puts that cements a feud too, and you know, just puts an exclamation point on a storyline. It, it's yeah. really, it's really, it really is satisfying. You know, absolutely, absolutely. And this uh, was about the most satisfying conclusion you could ask for. Uh, there was a some post-match stuff that they released on YouTube uh, where Rosa cut like a little bit of like a 30 second promo talking about how, you know, one of her goals has always been to elevate women's wrestling. And I will say mission accomplished. Uh, you elevated women's wrestling with that match as did Britt Baker. Britt was very excited, super happy with her performance. Tony Khan was marking out. Uh, and you know, one of the charming things about Tony Khan, he fucking loves wrestling. There's no, you, you can't dispute how much Tony Khan really genuinely enjoys wrestling. And he was very excited about it. He right away told Brady, he's like, that's one of the best fucking things we've ever taped on this show. I could say it was, that's, that was incredible. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was and, really and, nice to see. Yeah. And now that, you know, they, they immediately have a t-shirt of, of her. They had that, that shirt out within seconds. Yeah. You know, it was a pre-taped show. So they could have had that at the ready. So, you true, know, true, but they, I mean, they knew what, you know, they, they, they knew what they had. Unlike, I don't know, Disney, you know, wasn't ready for baby Yoda. Uh, AEW is ready for deathmatch dentist. <laughs> Paul, go ahead and plug yourself. You can follow me on Twitter and tell me who to say to shut the fuck up to at thick flare TTV all season. Okay. At Twitch at twitch.tv slash thick flare, where I think I'm going to start playing some more Civ six again. I think I'm going to bring the Civ six streams back. Those were kind of fun. So uh, maybe come, you know, drop a follow, come say hello in chat. Uh, fake fight. Real fight is on a little bit of a hiatus, but we might come back there. So uh, stay tuned for that. And uh, that's all I got for now. And of course, this show, which you, you oh, yeah, run well, this, this show's this Twitter. Show. I do tweet from this show's Twitter once in a while. It is BGTD Podcast. That's at BGTD Podcast, like Boom Goes the Dynamite BGTD Podcast. Uh, you can find me at Strong Style Story without the E in style on Twitter. Uh, my personal Twitter at GD Wessel, two S's, one L. Um, I had Busting Balls uh, come back last week. Um, yeah, I, uh, don't have anything else coming up this weekend, so, right on. you know, it's a nice little, nice little, we're chilling, we're, we're chilling, chilling. On a we're chilling, we're vibing, it's getting warm again, it's nice, I, I, it I, I, I like this, we, we had snow on Monday, that sucked, oh my goodness, yeah. I don't see snow anymore, I'm just happy we're getting back to Georgia heat, I would like it to be hot again, so, uh, Paul, any last words? Uh, I'm shipping up to Boston to find my leg that I lost, is that what the lyrics are? <laughs> I lost my leg. We'll see you next Trying Saturday. Time up the top sales. I lost my leg. Okay, we'll see you next Saturday. Find my leg. Bye.